Broomstick Train by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Look out! Look out, boys! Clear the track. The witches are here. They've all come back. They hanged them high. No use, no use. What cares a witch for the hangman's noose? They buried them deep, but they wouldn't lie still. For cats and witches are hard to kill. They swore they shouldn't and wouldn't die. Books said they did, but they lie. They lie. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell. A transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Yeah, amazing. And but it turns out, and then uh, when I was like, oh, foggy night. It's like the moors out here. And then I realized, no, it's just grime from noxious from, grime noxious from the ground, grime from ground up asphalt. Getting caught up in the uh, gross in the streetlights and looking like fog from a distance. All right, let's get in it. So, how have you been? Well, there was more Halloweening and spooky stuff going on for me this September October than ever ever before. Halloween starting in September. Of course. Yeah. Um, and LA is just full of spooky things, and I kicked things off with Halloween Horror Nights and visiting various haunts and I had a pretty big time doing spook night which for, was the second year in a row of the player in mm-hmm. so that was a whole lot of spooky stuff of course watching scary movies all month then the day before my birthday no two days before my birthday on the 24th of October I popped into this AT&T store to get a new car charger and I'm in the store Basically wound up making small talk initiated by this other customer in the store. And then something hit me and I was like, do I know you? And he was like, I don't know. Do you? You actually said that? I said it. And this is a, you know, like 50 year old man. Mm -hmm. And I said, are you? I think you are. And he goes, um, he was amused. He wasn't annoyed or weirded out. And um, he goes, who do, who do you think I am? And for a moment, I had this panic of me going, oh, no, I don't remember his name. And I was going to have to be that person who says, you're that guy from Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and Weird Science. But thankfully. And vamp. And vamp. Because you were talking to, now that we've dropped the titles. <laughs> Robert Russler. Robert Russler. And what came, what was great is in that half a second's time when I blanked out and went, holy cow, I'm not going to be able to remember his name. And I said, are you Robert Russler? And he goes, yeah, I am. And I proceeded to ask for a photo in the AT&T store. He was great about it. I was like, aren't you an October treat? The woman who worked there who I asked to take the picture must have been incredibly confused and I just told him I was like I'm a, I'm a huge fan what a great time of year to run into you and I thought about mentioning our podcast it would have been too involved so I just said you know like oh you're super cool I went back to my car sat in the car instagramming and facebooking about it for maybe five minutes and then I realized he's getting into the car in front of mine like he then wrapped up his stuff in the mm -hmm. store and got into his car and I 
I like I completely panicked. I was like, oh my god, he's gonna think I'm a stalker. So like I, I all but peeled out just trying to get away from him <laughs> so that he didn't think that I it had all been an elaborate ruse where I'd followed him there and been like, oh, interesting. Aren't you Robert Russler when really I'd you. been collecting pieces of his hair and stuff? But um No, Robert Russler, you knew of him. Before we started this podcast, kind of. but you never went that in depth, probably. No, I didn't into know his name. No, all of which got covered in our podcast. Two of which are off the roster for the moment. Yeah, very, one of which is our very first episode. Very first episode was about yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street Two, where he plays Grady, mm-hmm. like the, the best friend character. Yeah, and then in our second episode, we covered Vamp along with a couple other vampire movies, mm-hmm. and he plays one of the main guys in Vamp. And then for our Let's Make a Girl episode, he's one of the bullies in Weird Science. So he just wound up popping up three times in the course yeah. of our podcast. And we were like, our good old buddy, Robert Russell. Robert Russell here again, yeah. with us from the beginning. Yeah. However, of those movies, like none of them are older than like 86, mm-hmm. 87. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of years. That's a lot of miles on this guy. And yet you still, was it the voice? Was it his face? It was his face. I mean, I can't explain it. it he, I don't know. I guess I'm just that good. It was a stroke of luck. I had a moment of clarity. I recognized him. I recalled the name. You know, it was it was great. Got it was the picture. I got the picture. So for me, that was an incredible Halloweeny moment. Then the next day was the day before my birthday, and my friends Matthew and Daniel told me to dress like Laurie Strode and that they were kidnapping me for a couple of hours, and I didn't question it. I just put no. on my high waisted pants yeah. and my. No, I've told shirt. people like. Other people would be suspicious that something mm, was up. Yeah. But this is something that with those two guys, their brothers, coming to you for this kind of shenanigans, you'd be like, okay, let me get yeah. my 70s pants. Absolutely. So I got dressed up and they we went over to South Pasadena, visited the Myers house. Mm-hmm. Matthew was guiding us around. But then he was uh, on his phone looking at details about... Things like the parts of the street in South Pasadena where, hey, jerk, speed kills, you know, all of that stuff that's just kind of on the streets in the residential areas. And we were walking around shouting, we're from Haddonfield, couldn't be prouder, can't hear us now, we'll yell a little louder. But as we're chanting, um, Michael Myers popped out from around a corner and I screamed and turned around to Matthew and Daniel completely confused and shocked and excited because I just figured the best I could come up with in my head was, well, I'm dressed like Laurie Strode. It's five days before Halloween. Maybe someone else is out here, like, in the filming locations taking pictures dressed up because they think it's fun. It's tis the season. So I was just really excited that we'd stumbled upon some more Halloween magic. And so then I turned back around and he's gone. I go up finally to the corner, and it's my boyfriend still in full mask, down on one knee with a ring. And that was my spooky proposal. Yay! And I do have to give a shout out just because, so Matthew and Daniel scooped me up and took me there, but my friend Ricky was also in on all of it. He was there with a camera. He was there with Alec waiting. Did somebody hide a camera? They mounted a few cameras in trees and at the base of trees. Because you got a lot of angles. Yeah, and Ricky had a camera. Daniel was filming, which is, again, is not weird for us to be filming each other, just doing funny stuff. Ricky and Matthew and Daniel were all instrumental. And I mean, for weeks, they'd all been lying to me and scheming behind my back and trying to figure out the best way to do it. So basically, that very long story short is that I... (laughs) was proposed to by Michael Myers because my now fiance Every Alec, dream. 
he was committed to giving me a really great moment that I could tell a great story about and remember forever and have really funny, great pictures. And it's a great story. And uh, it was really cool. And I'm very happy. Anyway, tell me about your spooky October. What have you been holding on to, you little sneak? Uh, well, you know most everything that, uh, that I've been up to. Mostly working. So I've only been able to get out from time to time. Went to Boney Island. The, uh, the great home haunt yes, of the island. Yes, one of my favorites. Where there is a glowing green cauldron fountain display. It's like a light show, like at the Bellagio or wherever in Vegas. If you Scaled down. Boney Island is a play on Coney Island. Coney Island. So it's a bunch of way, skeletons. I don't think I even got that my first year. <laughs> really? I, yeah, I think, I think you explained it to me and I went, oh. I'm not sure it would have occurred to me. And... There's big news for us as a Boys and Ghouls podcast. Uh-huh. Sort of just a, a level of legitimacy, I guess, that yeah. we're getting some acknowledgement out there from people who aren't you, me, and just the people we know. Yeah. Which is, I was contacted to see if we wanted to uh, read and review or do something about a new Vampira book. Whoa. That just came out. By the way, this was sent to our joint Gmail account. Oh, I didn't see that. If anybody wants to uh, send us anything or... Just send us your thoughts on something. Right. Boysandghouls at gmail.com. And someone out there in the world said, hey, here's a couple of spooky uh, folks who uh, try to reach other like-minded people. Mm -hmm. Let's see if they're interested in uh, giving the book a plug. October's a really busy month. Yeah. I am proud to say I'm 100 pages into the book. Hey. Which for the month I've had is actually kind of an accomplishment. So here you go. It's a Vampira by W. Scott Poole. Just came out this year. I already, when I say picked it up, I didn't buy it. I physically picked it up over in Dark Delicacies uh-huh. and flipped through it. And I was like, oh, this seems very interesting. And I don't know anything about Vampira. Oh. Well, here's the thing. Her past is kind of guarded. And the time she spent on television was only one season and very little footage exists. Which is the case with lots of horror hosts. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a crime. But what this uh, book excels at is it lets you know just what the temperature was, what the the setting was at the time of the people and what was going on with women specifically at that time in America, which would have been around the early 50s when she hit the airwaves. Sure. And how she was both affected by and then affected the sort of housewife status quo that was going on at the time. Well, I shall have to borrow this. Well, it technically, it's half yours. Okay. So we could actually rip in half right now, but I no! recommend. Okay. Joint custody, Joint I Joint custody. I'll give you visiting rights. So, Vampira, Dark Goddess of Horror. Learn about the woman. Her real name was Myla Nurmi. Uh, written by W. Scott Poole. Did That's you mention that? Poole pool with an E at the end, if you're mm-hmm, Googling it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Christmas is coming. Pick this one up for a loved one. <laughs> uh, pick it up for yourself. A spooky loved one. start a podcast. And let it run for about two, three years. And then maybe somebody will notice you and send you a book for free. <laughs> it's an awful lot of work Which, to put in, but... You know what? Buy the book then. Yeah. I, I guess that's easier. Yes. Probably. They say that I'm a witch. And that I weave a spell. <laughs> Well, I use my eyes to invite you, my lips to delight you, and all the charms of the feminine wise to excite you. They say that I'm a witch and that I weave a spell. Well, I'll be a son of a and no wonder. Well, let me 
I'd rather be burned as a witch than never be burned at all. Hey, Kat. Hey, Marshall. So now is the witching hour. Oh, I'm afraid. Actually, that's what I'm going to call the episode. Oh, good. Witching hour. Well, it, it will be. It will be a very witchy hour. And for some reason, we have uh, you picking our November topics mm-hmm. almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. And then when we were trying to figure out what we're going to do for November, you're like, well, I'm going to have to pick it as if you brought this chore on yourself because <laughs> you've done it twice already. <laughs> yeah. And I thought of this and that, but I was like, well, it's it's Cat's burden, apparently. <laughs> and then you came back with witches, which if I'm... Which... Which? <laughs> if I'm following your train of thought, is uh, Thanksgiving, Pilgrims, Pilgrims, Puritans, Puritans... Salem Witch Trials, which is... Not at all. What? Get out that, of here. What you're saying makes an awful lot more sense than where I, how I got to it. Really, how I got to it is that over the last couple months, I've been kind of obsessed with the West Memphis Three okay. court case trial phenomenon, which was essentially kind of a modern-day witch hunt in many ways. But it was that plus Halloween and coming off the heels of Halloween. And I thought about witches a lot and I thought we haven't done witches. And that was, it was truly that. I finally figured out the uh, term I was trying to express to you in our our last episode, uh, satanic panic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Correct. And the West Memphis three totally falls under that completely. As you know me, I tend to bring to this podcast a little more historical context. So I did want to give a teeny bit of Salem context. Not that the Salem witch trials in 1692 and 3 were the only or the first kind of persecutions of witches, but okay. for whatever reason, it's what people think of when they think of witches. We think out. of Salem. We have found the witch, may we burn our The basic facts of it, really, what's important to remember, there were 20 people executed in this particular instance. Most of them were women. And it's important to remember, it's one of our country's most notorious episodes of mass hysteria, which is really what it was. Prior to these witch trials that everyone remembers, there were a lot of witchcraft persecutions in the 15 and 1600s, and they became more common as superstitions became associated with the devil. So a lot of people were superstitious, religiously superstitious, and they started focusing it on the devil or old scratch, as I'll never forget that nickname that you shared during our devil episode. I have so many names. In the time leading up to these witch trials, there was a lot of political disorganization. And as we know, people need leadership. They need organization or else things start to go a little bit curfew. They need a scapegoat? Oh, that too. So in addition to all of this kind of disorganization politically and constitutionally, there was also a lot of repression. There was an emphasis on no dancing, no sin, no... And, and um, sin was pretty broad. Sin is pretty broad. Talking a lot. Instrumental music, dancing, and celebration of holidays such as Christmas and Easter were absolutely forbidden as these were considered to have roots in paganism. The only music allowed was the unaccompanied singing of hymns. You couldn't even put instrumentation behind it because that was considered sinful. Toys, and especially dolls, were forbidden as play was considered a frivolous waste of time. Children received an education that emphasized religion and the need for strict piety to prevent their eternal damnation. Basically, there was an air of repression. So the whole area was in kind of a froth. 
And it was the perfect storm for something like what happened to set off the incredible wave of violence and destruction that then followed. So like in another environment, two little girls kind of starting to rant and rave and act crazy, it might have turned out differently. But things being as they were, it was two little girls in 1692, Betty Paris and her cousin Abigail Williams. They were aged nine and 11. They started to have fits. Once they started experiencing these things and pointing fingers, the people who got blamed for being witches were, by and large, peripheral people, like Tituba, who was not white. Like Sarah Good was a homeless kind of drifter who kind of wandered around town. So it was people on the periphery, people who were strange, people who were other. And that has tended to be the trend for all kinds of witch hunts and hysteria throughout the years, including the whole satanic panic movement. So I guess that's just my way of giving a little review of the Salem witch trials. There were 20 people, mostly women, who were hanged, burned. It's my understanding none were burned. Drawn and quartered? No, I don't remember. No, okay, 19 hanged Ooh. and one pressed to death. Oh, Jesus. And that was a guy. And it was, it was supposed to be just a way to make him talk. But if you don't talk and the pressing continues, then you die. The burning has made its way into our movies and our consciousness... Because that's how they used to take care of things back in the Middle Ages during that witch hunt. Aha. And it's definitely more exciting to watch or to consider. So in, from Lords of Salem, when they burn them at the stake, that really wasn't the case. Or in on Hocus American Horror Pocus. Story, Coven. But plenty of witches did burn if you, if, you, if you widen your scope. And what do you burn apart from witches? More witches! So keeping in mind the atmosphere and the way that the famous Salem witch trials that we know of evolved and the way things happened where people starting to point at people who were behaving differently and accusing them of witchcraft and that the devil was working. It was a way for them to... All these do lead back to the devil. Oh, yes. It's not like, you have magic powers derived from nature. It's, you have magic powers derived from Satan. And you're consorting with the devil. You're making love to the devil. They're doing their naked dancing rituals, you know. A lot of it focuses on sexuality and suppressing female sexuality because that's very dangerous. And any episodes of mass hysteria that have taken place before that and since, regardless of the specifics, they share those same characteristics of people identifying other people because they need to create order. They need to find answers. And the easiest way to do that, you know, it's either hanging these people in Salem or one one of the things I want to talk about, like I mentioned I've been really into learning more about the West Memphis Three, which had been part of the ether of growing up in the South. Basically what happened, if you're unfamiliar, there were three eight-year-old boys who were found hogtied and one of them was mutilated. um, Murdered. Murdered. Dead. In, I think, 1992, something like that. In West Memphis. West Memphis, Arkansas, which is right on the border of Tennessee. Basically what happened is there were three teenage boys... One of them was kind of borderline mentally handicapped. The other two of which wore black clothes, listened to Metallica. Metalheads. Metalheads. A little weird. One of them, Damien Eccles, who's the oldest and kind of has become the face of all of it, was, you know, open about the fact that he dabbled in being curious about the Wicca religion and paganism. And you don't say that in the South if you want to keep your head. At that age, you, you know, read a couple books. 
Yeah. Read half a book. Absolutely. Well, you're a teenager. You feel peripheral anyway, or at least most people do. So I know I listened to Marilyn Manson when I was a teenager. They never even got the chance. No, but theirs was, it was Metallica. That was who was focused on. And, and that's like a smoking gun. It's like what they listened to. Heavy metal music. Exactly. And it locked them up. Well, and yeah, and the point to remember in all this is those were the circumstantial pieces of, quote, evidence that were used to lock these boys up for two of them were given life sentences without parole. Damien Knuckles was sentenced to death. He was on death row for 18 years. So there was no hard evidence against any of the boys. And in 2011, all three of them were finally released from prison. They had to sign something that said that they wouldn't sue for false i mean you you read about it more recently than me Mm -hmm. they wouldn't sue for false arrest and imprisonment right and then they'd be let go well which is the biggest what it's a it's a mind trip because basically the state of arkansas has something called the alford plea which allows the state of arkansas to never be held culpable for wrongfully imprisoning anyone so basically on the books the state of arkansas has never technically even so much as wrongfully imprisoned an innocent person. Because anyone who it's determined, like, we're going to release them, they are forced to either try to appeal and appeal for years and years and just rot in prison while they try to get out, or they can sign this Alford plea, which basically says, I verbally maintain my innocence, but I'm signing this document of guilt, and my record will still say I was convicted of capital murder and i'm saying i won't sue you for all that you put me through so it's pretty messed up but the point to remember in all that they're out by the way by the sound of it they won't get any money from arkansas oh no i hope they get a book deal or something well what i think is really uplifting and if you haven't investigated this find a way to watch the three-part documentary called paradise lost some high-profile people including peter jackson and johnny depp and and metallica and henry rollins a lot of artists and musicians got involved because you know they recognized that in another time if they'd been in that position it could have been them you know johnny depp was a weird kid i like to wear women's clothes but i i did want to talk about it because I think it's frightening, especially for people like us who, you know, we like stuff that a lot of society considers to be sick and twisted and weird. And But for these young men, it was enough to put them locked away and for one of them to be sentenced to death just because of the type of music they like to listen to and their clothes clothes that they wore. And, I mean, it's nothing short of a modern-day witch hunt. Now, I know the word witch may be a problem for some of you. The word has a lot of silly connotations. Uh, and no, ladies and gentlemen, we do not ride around on broomsticks and wear pointy hats. Well, we don't ride on broomsticks. So, yeah. let's talk about witches. Well, Kat, the thing about witches, in movies as in life, it's such a broad topic, and it's very hard to pin down. And unlike, say, movie vampires or movie werewolves or, or something else iconic... They usually come with a pretty set set of rules. They may vary, but you can ground yourself in it. Whereas witches in movies, it's just whatever the movie needs, they can do. Mm-hmm. There's a few... Um, they have powers. Powers. Usually, whatever okay. that means. It's a woman with powers. Occasionally it's a man with powers. I refer you to the film Warlock <laughs> with Julian Sands, which is a fun film, by the way. But usually, I mean... I will say that every witch movie we bring up, be it comedy or horror or anything in between, the powers are inconsistent. What, sure. do, what the witch can do. Absolutely. Will be fairly Not only what they can do, but like things that let you know they're witches. 
which, 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 I suppose, just relates to the witch persecution of just like, they can fly through the air. They can do this to your babies. They can kill your crops. They can make your cow's milk go bad. Their danger is, knows no bounds. Knows no bounds. Because they can do anything. The old accusers of the days of the Puritans and the screenwriters of films it's whatever pops into their head. Yes. That's what this witch can do. But I and I think that's important because it relates to like true episodes of witch persecution or people who are maybe not witches but like the West Memphis 3. It was like, well, I heard they've got baby fetuses in bottles on in jars on their nightstand. It's like, what would they use that for? I don't know, some dark and satanic. You know, it, whatever. How would I know? I'm not a witch. Right. So whatever fits the panic of the time, that's what the details are going to be. It wouldn't make sense for witches' powers to be like ruining a crop today. It would be no, like not today. she can hack your computer with a single look. You know, <laughs> she can wreck your credit. Yeah. With a. Oh, that is scary. With a spell. <laughs> what was that scary sound? The wickedest witch in the world. Okay, so we agree some fairly universal witch things. Uh, spells, potions, love potions. Oh, yes. Witches are typically sexy, but not always. No, not always. Let me take you once again back to my Halloween store days, and I'd get little girls coming in to be a witch. One boy, by the way. Cool. His parents seemed cool with it. That's great. Because he loved the Wizard of Oz. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. But I would get this. Uh... Hi, what are you going to be for Halloween? Well, she's going to be a witch, the, the mom would say. So uh, we're going to get a broom and I, I guess a pointy hat and a, oh, you sell fake noses. And then the little girl goes, um, I don't want to be that kind of witch. So I, I, I would sort of step in and take the helm and go, you mean like a Morticia Adams kind of a witch, which... You can't say sexy witch. witch. Not to a mother of a little girl. No, I'm not going to That'd be, be like, weird. I'm going to tart your daughter right <laughs> up. And, and these weren't, by the way, I know that that's an issue, like sexy costumes for kids. These weren't sexy costumes. They were just sexier than the traditional Wicked Witch of the West. Uh-huh. So there was a good one called Spider Witch, which was like a long dress and flowing from the arms would be like Ooh, cobwebs. yes. And we're supposed to push accessories and I'm like... Well, you get that, you're going to want a wig. Like one of those of long course. wigs. Preferably so, mostly gray with some gray black. Kind of gray streaks. Yeah. Like, stick a couple of rubber spiders in there, you got yourself a good spider witch going. That's great. So a lot of them, what they wanted to be were less pointy hat, more just long and flowing. Sure. Witches. Yeah. Who could really get in there and uh, stir up some trouble on Halloween night. Stir up some trouble in their cauldrons. In their cauldrons, uh-huh. which we also sold. Double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. <laughs> but yeah, the, what you're saying just totally speaks to the fact that in lots of the movies, the witches kind of run the gamut from really sexy and manipulative and spell casty and like sensual and all the way to like roll dolls, the witches, where they've got bald heads and square feet and blue spit and they're just gnarly and terrifying you are in for a treat witches like so much else have changed with the times not just since medieval days when they were just old crones but in movies over the years a couple of uh landmark examples is wicked witch of the west with green skin pointy hat 
warty nose. Yeah, hooked warty nose. Usually the long fingernails. Was that 39? 39. Wizard of Oz, yeah. By 42, we had Veronica Lake and I Married a Witch. Do you like blonde? If we're pseudo going chronologically, I wanted to ask you if you've ever seen Haxan. Haxan? I watched it last night. Oh, is it any good? Yes. I've heard such great things about it. It's 1921. My thing was just like, oh, look, it's on YouTube. There's a no-brainer. I'll just watch oh, this. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's all oh, on YouTube. Oh, no excuses, Cat. I wonder why I didn't even think about that. And the beginning of it is kind of stuffy, and you're like, back in the day, they believed the sun revolved around the earth. And then it gets a little more into, like, wood carvings of witches and, like, what they believe that witches could actually do. Mm-hmm. And then, then they get into, like, actors and actresses playing out some witchy scenarios and then they get into like a story of um, this guy gets ill and there's an old beggar woman and she gets blamed for his illness. This is in like, like the Middle Ages. Then she goes in front of the Inquisitors. They start torturing her. And they didn't just get like a young actress and, and dress her up old. They just got this old woman to then like strip and cut her hair because she might have witch powder in her hair. Right. And then they like stick her on the rack and then she starts to confess just so they'll stop torturing her. And she's like, yeah, I'm a witch. And these people are witches too. And here's what we do. And then the wood carvings we'd seen earlier get illustrated with actors and actresses. And we get to see a witch's Sabbath, I believe Mm. is basically what it is, where they get witch's ointment rubbed on them and then they fly through the air. And there's a lot of almost nudity as they make out with demons. And then they all line up to literally kiss the devil's ass. What? Like there's a guy dressed as a devil and he just stands up there and one at a time these witches come and just... They really wanted to drive that point home, huh? Really? Devil worship. But this is all just like her saying like, and then we did this, and then we did that, and then we... And they, they show like, a, I mean, you can tell it's not a real baby, but just like pulling a baby out of a cauldron and being like, yeah, this is good. So from what I understand, the film is meant to illustrate the dangers of... Oh, it's a documentary. A witch Did hunt. You, say that? you didn't, but I read that it was a combination documentary yeah. and dramatized scenes. It was like documentary, dramatization that really goes off the rails. And then back to what like were the documentary, documentary the parts end. about? Who was were people being interviewed or no? Just sort of uh, the wood carvings. Oh, okay, got it. And stuff, and they would literally like you'd be looking at a picture, and then this like pointer comes in and just like points to certain stuff. Interesting, but the point is to illustrate persecution. Per- persecution. Like, uh, like... Oh, and then at the end, it sort of tied into modern day, although modern day was 1920s. But it said like, look how far we've come in this way, but not so far in this way, which was um like diagnosing hysteria uh-huh. in women. And being like, well, you're a, clearly a crazy woman, so you're going to the nut house. Right. Thank God I was born when I was. Oh, boy. So the one witch who was accused, that just dominoes out. And, like, every woman in the household gets taken in. And they all start accusing each other. And then the girl who did the original accusation, she gets taken in as well. But mostly because she roused the interest of a young monk. And he's like, I've been thinking sinful thoughts. <gasps> Well, who put them in your head? And she was just going, like, like grabbing his arm, being like, you have to help me. There's a witch in my, in my kitchen. And he's just like... Oh. Oh. So, folks, Haxan, H-A-X-A-N, mm-hmm. I believe. 1921. Uh, which I believe is Swedish for witch. Mm. So, that's pretty easy. Hour 45 minutes and all on YouTube. You can't really casually watch it because it's a silent film. 
but um, it's potent. I'll potent. say that if you give it your attention. Do you have anything in between that and 1964's Bewitched? Because I want to hear you talk about Bewitched. Well, here's the thing. I Married a Witch with Veronica Lake. Mm-hmm. Really feels like a precursor to Bewitched. Okay. It wasn't a spinoff and it wasn't an adaptation, but you really... Were they tonally kind of... At the end, the here's the thing. I think they just took like the ending of I Married a Witch where she wants to settle down. Because at first, the movie starts where a lot of these movies seem to start, which is which is with <laughs> the execution of a witch. Oof. That's where Black Sunday starts, also known as Mask of Satan. I watched that. That was a Mario Bava film. Where I think really the best part is the first five minutes, where the witch gets a mask with nails protruding from it. Just hammered onto her face. Oh, but you're saying the end of I Married a Witch was tonally kind of lighthearted and... Oh, well, the whole thing is lighthearted. Okay. In I Married a Witch, it starts right after a burning, which is also how Lords of Salem starts with a witch burning. And that one gets a mask also, and I hear that's a tribute to Black Sunday. Whereas I Married a Witch, it's just some smoldering embers and some smoke. And then they're like, we will have a brief intermission before we burn her father. And there's a guy, like, selling popcorn. Pops, mate. Get your fresh Indian pop dice. Tuppence of poke. It's buttered. It's hot. It's fresh. An anti-witch charm in every pop. And with Hocus Pocus. A lot of these movies start with a witch execution and a curse. Mm-hmm. And like, I will curse your descendants and nothing's going to go right for you until this such a thing happens. On All Hallows Eve, a virgin will light the black flame candle. Yeah, that's Hocus Pocus. Black Sunday is just like, I'm going to come back and just mess with your ancestors. So look out. Uh, Blackbeard's ghost in the film Blackbeard's Ghost, Witch's Curse, uh-huh. which she put on him as being burned as a witch. Uh, they don't show that part because it's Disney. They just talk about it. Sure. Actually, Elsa Lanchester, the Bride of Frankenstein, she tells that part of it and she's great in everything. She's wonderful. And I married a witch. It's I'm going to put a curse on you and you'll be unlucky in love. And so will your children and your children's children. You'll always wind up with the wrong woman. I thought you'd never get rid of that girl. What are you doing here? Waiting for you. How did you get here? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Anyways, so I married a witch. You got the lovely Veronica Lake. We're waiting for her. But for the first bit, she's just a plume of smoke that can talk. Hmm. <laughs> And then she gets a body and there's a lot of like suggested nudity because for a while she's just like wearing a fur coat. At first there's smoke and you're like, oh man. If she's nude in that that smoke. smoke, Yeah. She's nude. And there's a bit where she's like in the back of a taxi and it's like, oh man, inside that taxi is nude Veronica Lake. Wow. She was in a fire and she lost her clothes. No, I didn't. I didn't hit any. She makes a love potion for the descendant of her accuser to fall in love with her, but she drinks it by accident, and she falls in love with him. They get married, because you gotta, before you start doing anything in those movies. And at the end, they flash forward several years, and they're, like, married, and they've got a couple kids, but they've got a daughter, too, and she likes to play on that broom. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Setting up a great idea for a TV show, which took, like, 20 years to do. But someone, I'm guessing, looked at I Married a Witch and said, let's just go with that idea. The idea that they barely explored right. at the end and then just make a whole series on it. And it was a smash hit. It was. went on for years. You're a what? I am a witch. A real, house-haunting, broom-riding, cauldron-stirring witch. And to bring this back to Lords of Salem, or forward to Lords of Salem, 
What I didn't notice, like I saw it in the theater, and then I was watching it on DVD with the commentary, mm -hmm. and Rob Zombie points out, oh, look, uh, she's walking past the bewitched statue. And I was like, the what? Nah, he's probably just... Oh, in Salem? In Salem. Yeah. That's I knew that there was one there. Yeah. I never did. Mm -hmm. I, I thought he was just like having a little fun. And then he says it again. He's like, oh, there's that bewitched statue again. And then I was like, is that really a statue in Salem? Of yep. all places, but it I guess... Is. That's where you would Salem has really embraced all aspects of witch history. I'd like to know when they embraced well, it. Well, I'm sure we could... Oh, I don't know. I mean, to bring it back around to the West Memphis Three, when Damien Eccles and his... Well, he was married while he was in prison. He met someone through correspondence. Mm -hmm. And then when he was released, he and his wife lived in Peter Jackson's apartment in New York City for... A while, And then once they were on their feet, they moved to Salem. And one of the reasons why they said they did is because the atmosphere in Salem now is so much. It actually attracts witchy people? Well, there are a lot of real witches who live in Salem now. And he said their impression and feeling is that the people of Salem don't want to make the same kinds of mistakes that were made in the past. And so they're exceedingly accepting of people who want to do whatever it is they want to do, as long as they're not hurting anyone. So I don't know when Salem began to really embrace that witch history. That's a good question. Because I know, I mean, but I know we, they we do covered now. this in, in our Sleepy Hollow episode, which was at around the same time that a big factory closed and people were losing their jobs. That's when Sleepy Hollow was like, come to Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, maybe there was a similar kind of event. We, That'd be interesting to look into. But yeah, but. the Bewitched statue that went in around uh, 2005, it's a relatively new thing. I don't know who paid for it. It's pretty uh, But cute. if I ever go, I'll be sure to get my uh, picture taken next to it. Bewitched ran until 1972, which is the year that another movie I watched was released. It's called Virgin Witch. <laughs> I'm unfamiliar. Cross over into the occult with the Virgin Witch. It's really not a horror film. It's exploitation, which means so many breasts. And if you are a Netflix subscriber, you can go watch it right now. Literally, the first shot of the movie is breasts. It's all boobies all the time. The only reason it has anything to do with witches is so that there can be naked people dancing around doing ritual stuff and having sex. A pagan rite becomes the ultimate freakout. The story follows two girls, one of whom is accompanying her sister to go to the English countryside. It's British? To, it's British. To go British do a photo shoot. Very pale. So one of the girls is looking for her big break as a model. And so her sister accompanies her to this country home where they're going to take pictures. And naked pictures ensue. Naked sexing, naked dancing, lots of breasts. Just, I can't emphasize breasts enough. And some witches find their way into this story. Well, the house they're staying at, it comes up in conversation that the people who are there are witches and they're part of a coven. And one of the girls who's there to be photographed is like, oh, I'd love to be part of your ceremony. Can I come watch tonight? And they're very coy about it. They're like, oh, well, you know, only if you want to. And really, they want to get her there because they need to sacrifice a virgin, blah, blah, blah. Only a virgin will do. And no timid virgin. But a girl who welcomes the devil. I mean, it's really just an excuse to have nude women just nuding all over the place. Speaking of which. Which? Of, of just more nudity than you were expecting. Yeah. I finally watched the first half hour anyways. I, I didn't get much further than that. Of Little Witches. Little Witches. Oh, Fruja Balk. I No. No? 
No. Isn't she on the cover? No, and that's the biggest revelation. All right, Little Witches came out. Every time I go buy that cover on Netflix, I'm like, I should probably watch that. I've spent the last like 20 years thinking that also. It came out the same year as The Craft. She was already in The Worst Witch when she was little. Then she does The Craft, and you're like, oh, a witch movie with Fruja Balk. Nice. And then you see Little Witches in the video store, and it looks clearly like Feruja Balk is in yet another witch movie and you're like well that's her wheelhouse right but you've already got the craft so really why bother unless you're doing a podcast on witches and then you're like well maybe it's time I just watch this little witches movie and see what that's all about I thought I had missed her name in the credits I thought I like looked away or something and I dismissed it and then she's just not in the first couple of scenes and then they introduced a main character and I'm like well maybe she had a smaller part but they blew it up because of the craft and then Clea Duvall's in it, and that's neat. And uh, Zelda Rubinstein is, oh, is also sure. in it. And the guy who played Eraserhead, he's in it. And you're like, okay. But not Feruja Balk. But not Feruja Balk. What the hell? And as soon... You're blowing my mind, Marshall. They just took one of the... I can't even pick which girl it is out of it. And then just did this very Feruja Balky angle. <gasps> blew it no. out. So it's all white. And she's kind of like looking out, out from the top of her eyes, a la Feruja Balk in the craft. And she's got like like one little curl kind of coming down in front of her hair, a la Feruja Balk in the craft. For all I know, they got a Feruja Balky model. I doubt they actually took a photo of Feruja Balk, but it's been fooling everyone since forever. I that feel she's so just betrayed. In this movie that, that we never bothered to watch. Right. We just knew it was out there. And I just like, assumed it was like a bad carbon copy of The Craft also starring Feruja Balk. I thought it was like a movie that she made before The Craft that got shelved and then The Craft came out and they're like, hey, let's put out this Feruja Balk movie now that she's hot, hot, hot. Listeners, tell us what you thought at boysandghouls at gmail.com. <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah. So, the most interesting thing this movie has going for it is that Feruja Balk is not in it. Ooh, that's not a good sign. Four girls are about to discover the dark side. You ever heard of invoking the spirit? Black magic. We can make things happen. I mean, this is it. This is real. Uh, just because you keep bringing up the craft, mm. that is, to me, the most important movie to talk about. And it's really all about witches. Most witch movies tend to be about their victims mm-hmm. and people who are being pursued by witches. Most witch movies wouldn't really deal with witches as the main character. Well, there was Teen Witch, which also shaped me. But really, that yeah. focused on one witch. And there was the worst witch. Yeah. So sure, but... I not, don't not disagree lot, with you. I think you're right. Not movies where anybody actually died. Sure. And the craft actually, for whatever reason, I mean, it was just perfect storm, was that but... 96, 97? 96. So the craft came out in 96, um, kind of really spawned a new, a renewed interest in witchcraft, really, in witchcraft, paganism and the Wicca religion and all of that. I was 13, 14. And for me, and I'm sure a lot of other girls like me, this movie was about teenagers who could make things happen with their minds and spells and powers, Right. right? Which, I mean, as a teenager, you just feel helpless and depressed and all these weird feelings and so to watch a movie it was like black tar heroin to watch a movie with these girls who like were cool and sexy and powerful and could like make things happen by just being together and i 
couldn't even count on one hand the number of times my friends and I tried to do light as feather, stiff as a board, which was sure. right. Definitely not just my experience. I'm sure plenty of other people did this. What I think is interesting, I've been doing a little bit of research into witchcraft. The just, cr- just here lately? Yeah. Okay. The craft. Wait, for this podcast or just lately? Sure. Yeah, for the podcast. All right. But I do intend to do a little more research after just because I, I do find it really interesting. The craft as a film, maybe not with the stuff with like the glamour where you change what your color your hair is right in front of people's eyes or like floating off of the ground or those kinds of things. Yeah. Barring the actual. Well, they, they work up to those things. They, they do. They start with just sort of little bits of magic. Yeah. But barring that, barring that stuff where you actually make yourself float and fly and do all kinds of crazy stuff, mm-hmm. conceptually, the sort of general rules of it are pretty accurate in the craft. Things like anything you put out, you're bringing upon yourself. And how the shop owner tells them true magic is neither black nor white. It's both because nature is both. So from the best I can gather, modern day witchcraft, it's not that you don't perform spells and things, because you do. There are spells for, you know, you grab different kinds of herbs and dragon's blood and, you know, you have your consecrated tools that no one else is allowed to touch and you have your spell book that you that's another thing about the craft she's like you you take this book and you write in your spells that's a thing that happens in witchcraft listen it's i'm not even close to scratching the surface i'm just trying to illustrate that a lot of the concepts that are kind of posited in the craft as far as balance and nature and all of that are really pretty accurate and witchcraft it's not about actually like performing a spell that's going to make all the flowers in your house stay good forever or like change colors or things like that. Magic is not about like making someone love you who doesn't love you or not that there aren't love spells and things like that, but you can do hexing and like binding spells and things to like, you can put those negative energies out into the world to attempt to control the energy and control other people or affect their behavior negatively to your purposes. But If you're doing that, you're also putting that upon yourself. Like any energies you're directing towards other people, you're directing towards yourself. So if you're doing something negative, you're only going to absorb that and become that yourself. Those kinds of ideas are there in the craft, but that doesn't make for very interesting movies. So you got to have them like flying around and making themselves look like each other and then having sex with boys and then making them fly off balconies. Like that's way more interesting for a movie than just energy sure. and consciousness but i guess by the time you've uh you came around to looking into the real deal uh-huh you'd already had a foundation set up by the less flighty portions of the craft i wanted to be those girls in that movie i don't know as a it. teenager all uh, i wanted now, was to be able to make things happen depending with my mind. on your mood want to be different characters totally so like some days you felt like a frugibok other days you felt like a uh what, what's her name nev the, campbell nev- robin tunney Robin Tunney. Yeah, all four of them. I mean, most of the time it was Robin Tunney's character. Who was wearing a wig because she shaved her head for Empire Records. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it as a kid, but now that I look at it, I'm like, Jesus, that's definitely... It's it's a fine wig. I'm sure on Blu-ray it kind of pops. Oof. You can see that hairline and it ain't pretty. But yes, I wanted to be able to, you know perform cool spells and just run my hands through my hair and suddenly I'm I have black hair and I've changed the color of my eyes I wanted to perform glamours I would sit in my room and try I think this came up on other podcasts I would sit and try to make pencils move like I can't hours I think it was our um, our last Halloween one when we talked about the worst witch yes probably and you're like how did I not watch the worst witch I know 
But yes, the craft was, for me, when we talk about witches, I've definitely seen that more than anything else. I absorbed it. It affected so many things about me. What I thought was cool clothes to wear. Now, I didn't now, dress like them. I was going to say, as spooky as you are and as spooky as you were, you never went goth. I didn't. No. I don't like to be pinned down to a certain type of fashion. There are times when I'll put together an outfit that's very black. But then there are days when I kind of want to look like a Gap ad, and so I do that. Oh my god, no way! The other thing that affected me witch-wise was Buffy, of course. Willow. Sure. Was a witch. There was a lot of really fun witch stuff. I also really loved Practical Magic, and of course Hocus Pocus. Now, this year... For the very first time ever, I watched Hocus Pocus. With who, Marshall? With Kat. Yay! It was so much fun. It was like seeing it again for the first time. I kept cutting my eyes over at you, and you were laughing in all the right places, just belly laughing at all the funny stuff and loving Sarah Jessica Parker and realizing she's totally the star. I wouldn't have thought she was I'm a star, exactly. speaking for you, so why don't you tell me what you really thought of it? I thought for all the actresses that played the witches, which is uh, Kathy Najemi uh-huh. and Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker. They're all phenomenal, aren't even they? Even if nothing was happening with them at the time, if they didn't have any lines for that scene or for that shot or whatever, they were all up to something. <sighs> and in the biggest form, there was one where two of them are talking and in the back is Sarah Jessica Parker just hanging off a gate. Yep. Just kind of like, I don't know what she was up to. Just hanging off a gate, having fun with it. I'm sure that wasn't in the script. I'm sure most of that stuff wasn't in the script. They were all three just doing such a wonderful job of being Just eating those it up characters. and just being big. Then we must find the book, brew the potion, and suck the lives out of the children of Salem before sunrise. Otherwise it's curtains. We evaporate. We cease to exist. Dost thou comprehend? Well, you explained it beautifully, Winnie. The way you started, started out with the adventure part, and then you sort of slowly... Explain what? I would say, like, I think my biggest compliment for it afterwards, because like when it was over, you'd be like, well, right. can yeah. we still be friends? I was, yeah, it was probably a little annoying, but I was just excited. Is that I could really see how it could age with you. Yeah. How not only could you watch it when you were a kid and now watch it as an adult, but that you could watch it at a lot of stops along the way and still enjoy it and then enjoy it for different reasons. Like you didn't watch it for nostalgia when you were a kid. Nope. But now you can. And you didn't watch it for, look at those funny 90s haircuts. But now you can. I'm Jay. This is Ernie. How many times I gotta tell you? My name ain't Ernie no more. It's Ice. Ice. This is Ice. And you were Jay. Oh, yeah, yeah. My friend Ricky. Um, well, I guess he's our friend now. You've met him sure. a few times. He... You know what? He's better than a friend. He's a fan. He is. He's a Boys and Ghouls fan. And um, his favorite movie is Hocus Pocus. And so this year for his 30th birthday, he had a Hocus Pocus themed party. And I came dressed as Jay, the blonde haired bully. And Ricky was Billy Butcherson, the dead guy who Winifred brings back, whose mouth is sewn shut. And we had a lot of really impressive costumes at that party and he he rented out a space he had bags of dead leaves that we just opened and just spilled all over the floor so the whole that? place was i don't know he's you ricky rent them? i think so <laughs> i think that's exactly right he's a master of scaremonies ooh 
I, I, I would just open up Instagram and I saw a, a picture of you with a flannel shirt tied around your waist pointing at an ice cooler. And I was like, what's happening here? And it just says, this is ice. Yes. And <laughs> I love a good punny joke. Now that I've seen the movie, I get it right away. Yes. So just to tie it in with history, it's set in Salem. Yeah. Naturally, there were no actual Sanderson sisters during the Salem witch trials. Sadly. Though they were hung, much like. Hung, hanged, hanged. 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 <laughs> hung. And the black flame candle is made from the fat of a hangman. That's so dark. I didn't pick up on that as a kid. Watching it as an adult, I'm like, ew. Anyway. Yes. Which is, which is. Which is. How the witches were killed back in the days of Salem. And that the burning of the witches was more of a thing for the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. But for Hollywood movies, they'll just bring the burning of the witches up into Salem also. It just it makes for better movies. And of course, as we just learned, the Salem witch trials were over by like May of 1693. We're supposed to believe that in October, because it was Halloween night, 1693, when the witches were hanged, but the witch trials were over by then. I guess they just uh, left out three actual witches while they were busy accusing innocent people. Yeah. Like, what about those three sisters? Ah. They're three kindly old spinsters. Sucking the lives out of little children. Yeah. I get your reference. Yes, you do. Black hat, green skin, warts and wrinkles and pointy chins, scary voices, scary hair, witches, witches, witches everywhere. Marshall, I have a present for you. Thank you in advance. So on my way here, I dropped by a little place that I think I might have mentioned on the podcast before. Stop looking. Stop okay. trying to I'm snoop. Gonna, I'm over here. It's coming to you. You, were, you just had Snoopy eyes. I mean, you can look, but you know. It was bluish, and that's all I really saw. So I stopped by the Psychic Eye Bookshop on Ventura, which is a place for books on the occult and on witchcraft and paganism and self-help. I mean, it just kind of runs the gamut. But I wanted to get you a little gift. So I got you two stones. One of them is Tiger's Eye. So I'm going to give this to you now. Thank you. And Tiger's Eye is... Used to increase wealth and vitality, it enhances courage, brings passion and physical stealth, all tempered with mental clarity and a joyful outlook. Physical stealth is not something I really possess. Well, now maybe you'll possess a little more so of it because of your I tiger's guess I can eye. Use a little, uh, little help in the physical stealth department. Sure. Because uh, most people can really see me coming. And I don't know if Boys and Ghouls listeners know this, but they will know it now. You, like I, tend to do a little bit of jaw-clenching, teeth-grinding at night. Sure. Well, you know, I've got a holder just for my, my mouthpiece. Sure. So what I'm going to give you now is another stone. It's blue. It's got some brown and black in it and white. It's called chrysocolla. It is for soothing nervous tension. So maybe having this in the room mm. will help reduce your clenching slash grinding. Perhaps I'll sleep with it under my mattress. Maybe you will. Except if you're very sensitive. It's I'll the princess in the pea. Yeah. <laughs> A few pagan well, gifts you. for you. You, um, you, can, you can keep them or not. They are just two rocks. But, you know, as... Um, hey, you got have, a rock recently. Seemed pretty happy about that. I did get a rock. Boom. Uh, um, I got a rock. 
But as I've come to learn as I delve into witchcraft a little bit, really is about the power of belief. I mean, if you believe strongly in something, you can change your own attitude about it. You can, part of one of the, the earlier lessons about witchcraft, they talk about giving yourself a witch name. So much of it is so Did you give yourself a witch silly. name? Well, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But... Huggins McPretty Lips. <laughs> but the idea of... The witch. Denoting a name for yourself that's different from the name that you've lived with your whole life is... The name you've lived with your whole life, you associate with all kinds of things. All your life experiences are tied up in this name. So if you give yourself kind of a witch name, that is representative of who you are growing into and who you want to be more like. I personally believe in the power of suggestion and thought and energy, at least somewhat. What I'm trying to get at is maybe those are just stones or maybe if you believe strongly enough in their ability to affect you, then they will. Maybe it's psychosomatic, maybe not. But honestly, in the end, who the hell cares, right? If it's mm-hmm. getting the job done, well, witchcraft. Maybe out in the world as Felicia Fiddlebottom. <laughs> I will be stealthy and courageous. Felicia Fiddlebottom. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Which name? Copyright. <laughs> All right. And now for plugs. Yeah. Do you have something you want to plug? One of the two of us was on Sex Sent Me to the ER. Oh, my God. I guess so, huh? Do you, well, seriously, do you want to? I don't want to. No, it. that's fine. I didn't even think about it. Um, this isn't really horror-related, but if anybody wants to see me on television, just set your DVRs for an episode of Sex Sent Me to the ER. It's on TLC. I think it's called The Skydive Club or something. That's the name of one of the other segments in my episode. But um, it was the season premiere this fall, and they rerun them like hell. So if you uh, catch me, please do. What was your segment called? My segment is called uh, Morning Quickie, but it's morning spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. So my episode does involve a funeral, so I guess that is kind of horror-related. And that's all I'll tell you. You'll just have to go watch it. I haven't seen (laughs) it myself. See me do embarrassing sexual things on TV. You haven't seen it yet? No. Oh, boy. Do do you have it DVR'd or anything? Um, You can buy it on iTunes. All right. So if you want to uh, watch Cat get sent to the ER via some waist-down activity. And feel no obligation to spend money on it. DVR it if you want. I don't get any money if you rent it on iTunes, so I don't care. But I'm saying if you just need it, if you need that immediate gratification, you can go buy the if episode. If you want to put a face with this voice, check it out. <laughs> if you want to put a face with my voice, sorry, I'm too stealthy. Hey, that's not true. You're all over our Instagram page. True. At Boys and Ghouls Podcast on Instagram. We're also on Twitter at Boys and Ghouls. Just ask Mark Borchardt, star of American Movie. Uh, our Twitter true. has a lot to offer. He favorites our tweets all the time. He does. And I wonder he if he likes our stuff. goes around his favoriting everybody's. I don't think he does. Because I saw he favorited something I put up recently and I was just like, hee hee, Mark Borchardt. Yeah, he quite often will favorite our, not all of them, but... Um, When he sees stuff he likes, he favorites it. And Marshall spends a lot of time curating really neat content off the internet that you can find on Twitter and on Pinterest. What I put up is mostly just links back to our Pinterest page. Right. Alec, my fiance, happened to notice last night because he was on Pinterest looking at wedding stuff. And he said, holy cow, Boys and Ghouls has like 5,000 Pinterest followers. And I was like, yeah, Marshall puts in a lot of time and has some really great stuff up there. So if you're on Pinterest at all, you you like looking at horror stuff. Marshall has done an incredible job of pulling together imagery that, I mean, I see stuff every day I've never seen before. That's really, really fun and people love. So do follow us there if you like to look at neat stuff. Well, I think you've said it all, Kat. I think I have. Come get us on the internet, folks. We're out there. 
and we're a lot of fun. We're waiting for you. We're waiting for you. Sorry. And now a warning. Now uh, a warning? Uh. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm sorry. For whatever I, reason, I, I, when you I said that. I never prefaced it with that. And then you went right to uh, Death Becomes Her. Thank you for knowing what I was quoting. Please leave that in there. But I will, I will give a, a very particular warning to our audience. Beware the moon. 